I'm really excited about this morning. We start our Sons and Daughters series, which is um, all about the doctrine of adoption. And um, just for my personal uh, interest, uh, how many people have ever heard that uh, the, the doctrine, doctrine means that it's something that the Bible teaches, doctrine of adoption? Okay. So many people haven't actually heard that the Bible teaches about adoption. Or you kind of been like, oh, maybe. Now, I'm not saying that the Bible teaches that all of us should be adoptive parents. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, if you uh, go through the process, uh, Beck and I are strong believers that not everyone are called to be adoptive parents. So please do not take that away from what I'm going to be saying today. But, you know, adopt, uh, the, the doctrine of adoption is actually something that is um, a real core important part of our faith. And if we don't understand the doctrine of adoption, it actually impacts the way that we relate to God. So over this series, over today, and then you get Pastor Beck next week, first time preaching. Hopefully we don't get locked down and shut down and and cut out of being able to gather next Sunday. But if we are here, Pastor Beck will be, even if you're not here, I'm going to somehow make sure that Beck gets a message onto YouTube. Um, But we are going to hear from both myself and Beck over the next four weeks, talking about the doctrine of adoption. And before we go any further, uh, I I know that we've promoted this series and there might be people listening to this series um, who possibly, you know, adoption is a bit of a trigger word. It is a bit of a difficult uh, thing because of what you've experienced. But I hope that through this series, I will be able to help you to see why God chooses to use the word adoption why God chooses to describe His relationship with us through many lenses, including the lens of adoption. And I hope that this enriches and deepens your relationship with God. So can we just pray? I just feel like we need to pray this morning. God, I thank You that we get together uh, for this morning. And I pray to God that, that You uh, show up in, in, in such a powerful, uh, fatherly way as You want to. And I pray that for every person that has got reservations, Every person who doesn't really understand your love, I pray that today is going to be one uh, that is going to be transformational, and we pray this in your name, amen. Awesome. All right, so today I am going to dive into defining uh, why, uh, or defining adoption, why God chooses to use the word adoption. And for me personally, the doctrine of adoption was actually quite a saving one. I was going through a crisis of faith. I did not know whether I wanted to continue on in this faith uh, journey. I, I wasn't sure how much I trusted God. I wasn't sure how much I, I felt like I wanted to journey with God. I'd known God all my life, but I was having this moment where I was questioning, what do I do with this faith? I did not, it, it was a struggle. And in the middle of this struggle, uh, the, the kind of personality I am is that if I am going to do anything, I'm going to do it um, fully. You know, I don't like doing things half-heartedly. I, if I'm not going to do something fully, I tend not to do something at all. And you can ask Beck about that. And I was like, I will set time and margin aside to do the thing that I said I'm going to do. Um, And that includes fathering a crying son right now. (laughs) Although right now is Beck's job, so thank you, Beck. Um, But, you know, so so I I thought, you know, I'm going to give God one more chance. How many people have said this to God before? I'm going to give you one more chance, God. And you're going to show up, you're going to rock up, or I'm done. 
And that's really, uh, honestly, what I was saying in my heart. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to actually try to understand how God talks about our relationship. Why should I trust God? Why should I relate to God? Why should I give God the rest of my life? Those are the questions in my mind. I went, you know, the Bible is a good place to figure this out. And if the Bible is not going to teach me why I should trust, why I should hope, why I should relate to God, then I'm out. And so even though I had read the Bible through uh, probably by that time, I don't know, six, seven times, I never probably had this thought, you know, I'm going to read the Bible to really try to understand why God wants to relate to me and why I should relate to God. And so I started to read it and I came across these verses, this passage in Romans. I actually love the book of Romans. It's my favorite book of the Bible because I'm a nerd and Paul the Apostle, when he wrote the book of Romans, it might not have been his intention, but he decided to summarize and really condense all of his theology into one letter. And that's why it's a bit dense, but I absolutely love it. And I came across these verses, Romans 8, 14 to 17, which says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. I've read those verses before, but for the first time when I was having this crisis of faith, there was something about these verses that, that stood out to me. I related to God previously through the lens of pleasing Him. I read it through the lens of worshipping God because He is God. I mean, I grew up in Singapore where it is kind of like if there's an authority figure, you honour that authority figure. You obey that authority figure. The authority figure is an authority figure for a reason. You might not know the reason, but you will honour the authority figure anyway. That was kind of background, the culture that I grew up with. And so I thought God is an authority figure and I worship Him because I need to worship Him. Now, I had this concept that God loved me, but I had this concept that God loved me because I am part of the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. So I understood that God uh, died on the cross and that I have this um, salvation available to me, but I understood it from the point of view of God loves the world. But when I started to read these verses, it was like God was saying, hey, Nate, Whoa. <laughs> Sorry. technology's not a friend today. Um, hey, Nate, I, I, I love you and want you to be my son. And that was a, a moment that I struggled with because I was like, no, I know that God's love is meant to be personal, but I don't know what it looks like. And suddenly through these verses, that was kind of what was going on for me. 
It was like God did not just die on the cross for me, but God chooses to adopt me and make me his son. And this passage, it says that we are now uh, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. How, and that, that was kind of blowing my mind because I was so used to this concept of God saving me from sin, but God making me his heir. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does it what does it mean to be a son of God? And, and, and you know, I used the word son of God prior to that moment. It was always about Jesus. The son of God is Jesus, right? But suddenly, I was reading this and I was like, technically speaking, when I say the son of God, that's me. When I say daughter of God, that's you, if you are a female. Let's not go into gender theory right now. But, you know, this, this idea that when I say like, think about it for yourself right now. When I say daughter or son of God, I am referring to myself. And there was something really deeply personal for me, that God loves me, that He adopts me, that He wants me in His family. He shares His glory with me. I am His. And that was really different from the concept of serving and worshiping God because He is God and and. and authority figure. This was worshiping God and loving God because he chooses to reveal himself as father. And so that was a big part of my world, a shift in my world and say, God wants me a son. I relate to him as son. This is absolutely fantastic, amazing. For me, it was a concept that brought me great joy, great comfort, great peace. And so it, it shifted my perspective and the way that I related to God. But I will admit that at that time, I was extremely naive about the world of adoption, there is uh, um, adoption that takes place across the world, and, and I wasn't in that world back then. I was still a young man, and so I was really naive about it, and, and, and so I, as, as, as I loved the concept of, of adoption, I, I would teach about it from time to time. It was something that held me uh, close to God, that, that I, I considered that God adopted me as His Son, but I was completely naive to it. And over time, over the last two years, uh, as many of you know, Beck and I have been on this journey, and we started to understand the world of adoption, and it has actually shifted the way that I understand adoption. See, Beck and I decided that we were going to grow our family through adoption. And we had a friend that told us that uh, the next step for us, uh, or good next step for us, was actually to go for a seminar that was run by the department. It was free. It was non, uh, there was no obligation for it. And, and, and so we would understand a bit more about the process and what would take place from there. And so I was like, yep, let's go. Let's, um, let's learn about this. And, uh, and if I'm going to be honest with you, I thought that I was doing something quite noble. I thought, uh, you know, you know, this is cool. You know, I'm going to be like a, a bit of a hero dad. And I've gone to this seminar. I'm going to learn about adoption. And I'm doing this really praiseworthy, amazing thing uh, for a child. And, and this, is, this is cool. I love this. I love being able to do something for someone else. And, um, and that was my mindset. But honestly, that feeling didn't last very long. Because we went to this 
seminar. And as much as I was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is so cool, I went in there, and it was like everyone did not want to. We, we were socially distanced before COVID hit. Every person that was in that seminar room was like, I don't want anyone else sitting close to me because it was like, this is such a weird setting. It was quite surreal. And, and so we were all in our own little spaces and we were all uh, waiting to hear more about this process. We, and we had all these preconceived ideas and, and the lecturer started talking about this. And, and um, I remember it wasn't very long in uh, her lecture and she said something that completely um, challenged me. She said, um, there is no need for adoption in Australia. There's no need. There's not, no, it's not a great need. There, is, there are a few kids, but it isn't a great need. And she said, currently in the adoption pool, we've got 50 families waiting to be placed. And to give you an example, the year before, we placed three. Three kids, 50 parents. And I was like, I was looking across the room, there was probably another 20, 25 couples, maybe. And I was like, Three kids, possibly 70 families. This whole idea of being a hero dad, going into this space and uh, uh, sweeping up a child that needed to be saved because no one else wanted this child was suddenly not a very real picture. And I was like, oh, three kids, 50 families. And the lecturer continued to talk about the adoption process, and she said, you need to work out your adoption why. You need to work out why you want to go through the route of adoption. And if your perception is that you're going in to save a kid, um, this is not the place for you. And I was like, uh, it's kind of why I came. This is what I thought I was getting myself into. Isn't that what adoption is about? And I realized how impacted by Hollywood I, I was by all these movies. Let me just share with you one movie that we watched. This was way into the process. It was part of our education. Um, uh, we were told to watch every adoption movie, read every adoption book you can get your hand on just to understand the world. And we watched this French movie. And it was a French movie about a woman whose husband uh, had died and they were going to adopt a child from... I think it was um, like the Philippines or, 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 or Thailand, actually. I think it was Thailand. And so, uh, but the husband dies in a car accident. Um, actually, no, it's wrong. It was, uh, this couple were going to adopt. They actually got into a car accident, died, and the grandmother actually goes ahead with the adoption, even though that is not legal. And she goes to Thailand, and she basically kidnaps the child because she's the adoptive mum, uh, grandma. And she wanted to carry on the wishes of her daughter. And, um, and, and so they showed this scene, right, towards the end. So they, they showed this scene where this little Thai girl, who was probably supposed to be about six or seven, turns around, sees her, smiles, and runs towards her. And runs towards this grandma, who she has never met, this white French woman, who has got no relation to her. 
Nothing about stranger danger, you know, there's nothing like that. It's like, no, 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 we are bonded for life because that's what adoption does. That was the one time after the movie, I signed up into imdb.com and I wrote a review. I've never done it before. I've never done it since, but I wrote there, this is not what adoption looks like. But that movie perfectly encapsulates what I thought adoption was going to be like, that there would be a child that was perfectly made for Beck and myself to adopt, that there was this meant-to-be-ness about this process, and, 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 and I will rescue this child, and it will be amazing. But this lecturer said, you need to understand what your adoption why is, and you need to realize that it's not about the need. So Beck and I had a moment where we needed to talk about this, and we, we struggled with it for a little bit. I struggled with it for a little bit, and we tried to work out whether we should continue on with this journey or not. And, and of course, as you would know, we continued on the journey, uh, and, and we were really challenged about, or in particular, I was really challenged about how I understood adoption and, 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 and what was going on. And so we, we took the next step, which was to go for some classes. And we went for the first class, and now there wasn't 25 people, uh, 25 couples, it was more like eight uh, couples in this room, and in, uh, in this little classroom, and we, and we started uh, some lessons that the DCP had put together. And in this lesson, again, after a few moments, um, the lecturer said, um, the lecturer was saying, you know, adoption is about loss. And, and I was like, no, adoption's about love. Adoption's about loss. Adoption's about loss. Adoption is about a child losing the security of a birth family. A child who was carried in a mother's womb for nine months, and then upon birth, losing that connection with that birth mom. And she said, and there's studies, research shows that loss, no matter what age, you're not talking about a 12-year-old, you're talking about a zero-year-old, a zero-month-old, you know, maybe a two-week-old, but there are still memories. They might not be cognitive memories, but they're emotional memories. They're encoded into their minds, and there is this loss. And then they will go to these uh, pre-adoptive foster carers who will love them and love them really well in Australia. This is the process. And then from there, when they get place when you get placement they they lose that foster family and so they go through these two really big losses in their life and it is something that you have to understand and i was like this is not the glossy noble beautiful picture of adoption that i used to have and i i i struggle with it why why is it that we have to understand uh, all this about loss and is isn't my love as a father going to be enough isn't the fact that I want this child going to be enough, isn't it, that I've opened up and, and, and shouldn't that be uh, um, this, this really beautiful, uh, immediate connection because that's what adoption should be, or at least that's what I thought adoption should be. And so it really challenged my understanding, and I started to relate all that I was learning and all that I have continued to learn with what God talks about with adoption. And I started to realize that there are some 
conceptions that I had that were actually misconceptions. And today I want to share with you one of the biggest ones and one of the most important ones as we move forward in this series. I'm going to read to you uh, about uh, a few verses to do with adoption and I'm going to talk through it to help you to understand. I want you to put on your, like, what are you thinking about? What picture comes to mind when I read out these passages? Uh, what, what do you think, what, what, what comes to mind in regards to God adopting you? And, and then I'll talk to you about what I've started to learn, all right? So in Romans 8, 14, I've already read this passage, I'll read it again. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. What picture comes to mind? If you have a picture of God adopting you as God kind of like sweeping you up and saying, God has brought you to adoption, and so you're this hopeless little child that, that needed that, that rescuing, that's not what this passage is talking about. See, what it says is for those who are led by the Spirit of God, those who are led by the Spirit of God, receives that Spirit that then brings about your adoption to sonship or daughtership. And what this is actually trying to say is that it's not that God saved us in order that we are adopted. It's saying that those who choose to be led by the Spirit, because the Bible, whenever it says being led by the Spirit, is never a coercive, manipulated, being led by the Spirit. It's always a cooperative, being led by the Spirit. So in other words, you could say that this is saying for those who choose to allow God to lead you, will receive adoption. How interesting is that? It has nothing to do with God adopting you and taking you from nothing into His family. God is saying, you are following me. You are being led by me. And because you are being led by me, you are a child. You are my child. You are receiving adoption. Really interesting, isn't it? Let's look at John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13. It says this, Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. What does it say again? It says, Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in Him, He gave the right to receive adoption, to become children of God. How interesting is that? Again, to all who receive, to all who believe, who choose, who choose to have God as their God. Suddenly, because of our choice, not well, not suddenly, but because of your choice, you receive the right to be a child. It doesn't say you receive immediate childhood. I didn't think about that very well. But you don't receive this immediate, you, you receive a right, a, a coupon, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 this thing that says you can redeem your, your sonship, you can redeem your daughtership from God right now. This, this is a right. We choose adoption. Do you hear this? That because I choose to believe in God, He is then saying... Do you want to be my child? We can take another step. I want to read to you one more. 
Galatians 4, 4-5 says this, But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. And here, this is important because I think this was one of those verses that confused me and gave me the wrong idea of adoption because it says to those, uh, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption. And so I saw redemption and adoption as the same kind of a, a thing. But when you look at this clearly, this actually doesn't say that redemption is adoption. It's saying to redeem first and then to adopt. To redeem first and then to adopt. To redeem first and then to adopt. And why is that important? Because as I studied the doctrine of adoption, I came across this quote. And, it, and this was one of my systematic theology books. I love systematic theology books because they always are bigger than the Bibles. Have you ever seen them? I've got this systematic theology book that is literally like twice the size. Like if I use this Bible and put it next to it, that book is like four times bigger than the Bible itself. It's interesting that we have filled our shelves with people's understanding and breaking down of what the Bible means and what would, all of those are actually bigger than the Bible itself because it's so dense. But this is what Wayne Grudem uh, says. He is a very celebrated theologian and he says this about the doctrine of adoption. He says, we might initially think that we would become God's children by regeneration, since the imagery of being born again in regeneration makes us think of children being born into a human family. Now the whole idea of regeneration is this idea that, that we have been saved. All right, when we are saved, God regenerates us, that we are no longer a corrupt, sinful self. There is this regeneration, this making new that God does in us. And what Wayne Grudem is saying is that regeneration uh, is often seen as uh, the same as becoming God's child. But he goes on to say, but the New Testament never connects adoption with regeneration. Indeed, the idea of adoption is the opposite to the idea of being born into a family. What I needed to learn, and what I've continued to need to learn, is that the rescue is not the same as the adoption. And too many of us understand the rescue in terms of the adoption. But they are two separate concepts, two important concepts, but two separate concepts in the Bible. You see, the rescue in the Bible is a momentary event that Jesus died on the cross for our sin, and therefore we now are no longer slaves to Christ. We did this in the previous series. We talk about the freedom that Christ has brought for us, who the sun sets free is free indeed. It is a moment. You don't have to worry about whether you are free, because if you accepted Christ, you are free. It is a moment. But adoption is for life. We don't have uh, a, a moment of adoption. We have a lifetime of adoption. You see, if you come to our house and you look through our bookshelves, you will find multiple books on adoption that we leave around that Sam often wants to read. We have a picture of his pre-adoptive foster family because they are a part of his life. Adoption is about the past, present, and future. Adoption is for life. We want Sam to know that his life is complex, that has all of these different elements, and all of them are beautiful. All of them are important. All of them carry on in his life because adoption is for life and it's not just a moment. We don't adopt him and forget that he's adopted. We adopt him and know that he is an adopted son, and he knows he's an adopted son, and we carry on in life with the knowledge of what that means, right? 
Another difference, the rescue is about sacrifice. That Jesus would give his life for mine. It's this beautiful reason why we worship God. Because he would choose to die for me. The rescue is this important thing and we remember it at Easter. We remember it at Christmas at least twice a year. We should remember it all the time because the rescue is what makes us Christian. But the adoption is not about rescue. The adoption is about family. Two separate concepts. Two hugely separate concepts. You see, one of the things that, please don't ever say this to us. If you have, it's cool, but don't ever say this to us. I get this a lot on Facebook when I talk about this. But people say to us, oh, you know, Sam is so blessed to have you. Sam's so blessed to have you. You guys are so great that you would do this for him. I'm like, Beck didn't go through nine months of carrying a bub. Ask Georgia whether that's a beautiful, lovely time of life. I think she's told me she hates it. You know, your kid is so blessed that you would choose to carry them for nine months. You know, any parent, your child is blessed that you are committed to showing up day after day. Isn't it? And I'm a grown adult, but my parents are still people I go to for help. Whenever there's any handiwork to be done in the house, I'm like, Dad, please show up because I don't know what to do about this. I'm blessed to have my parents. But why is it that when we talk about adoption, we go to the adopted family, oh, you are so amazing. Why is it because we have in mind that it's not about family, but it's about the rescue. It's about you doing something noble. Well, parenthood is noble. Parenthood is about sacrifice. The rescue is about sacrifice. Parenthood is about sacrifice. But it's not just about sacrifice. It's about bonding. It's about attachment. It's about relationship. It's about showing up. It's about love. It's about joy. It's about peace. It's about struggle. It's about challenge. It's about conflict. It's about family. It's messy. But so is every family. None of you here come from a perfect family. When I speak to people who, who work in the, in the mental health industry and, and who've done research, they will say without a shadow of doubt, no matter how good your parents are, they still leave some trauma for you to work with. That's family. But we need to understand that the rescue is primarily and wholly about God's sacrifice. But adoption's not meant to focus on the sacrifice. It's meant to focus on the family. And finally, the rescue is God-initiated and is God-finished. You have no part to play in your rescue. Zero. Nothing. You didn't contribute to your rescue. It is by grace and by grace alone. God did it. God finished it. We receive it. That's the rescue. But when it comes to adoption, as I've already alluded to, it's God-initiated, but it's corporately finished. Uh, I don't think this is being, is it being recorded? Oh, it is. Oh. Uh. <laughs> no, that's all good. I was just wondering whether to share this. We, we, we caught up with uh, friends that adopted from overseas. And they talked about how the adoption journey is vastly different from ours. And um, 
They talked about how this child rejected his adoptive month, adoptive mum for a number of weeks. Would literally completely fall apart whenever he's told that he's going to be left with mum. It took a long time for him to actually get used to the idea that this is mum and it's okay to be with mum. And I think that paints a more accurate picture of adoption. Because as much as Beck and I are wanting to be adoptive parents, we don't truly become a bonded, healthy family until Sam realizes that he can trust us and he can come to us. And there are still moments where I think we're still working on it. There are moments where I don't think that we've got it down. There are moments where he rejects me. There are moments where he rejects Beck. And many, maybe biological parents would say that, well, that's just the toddler being a toddler and that's normal. Well, it's normal, but for us, we know that our son didn't choose us. He, he, he came to us. And I hope that we will prove ourselves to be good parents. And it's something we're working on. But there's this corporateness. And there's his choice along with our choice. I heard another story of a, another set of adoptive parents from the U.S. who actually, a couple of weeks into the transition process, stopped because they didn't feel like they could continue to show up. That the hurt and the grief and the loss was too much to bear. So they stopped showing up. So I'm not saying that, you know, that God doesn't do anything in this process, but God keeps showing up. But it also requires that we keep opening up. And you see, when I started to look into all of these things, when I started to understand about all of these elements of adoption, I started to realize that it's not straightforward. It's not about a clean-cut, black-and-white moment where suddenly I realized I was a child of God. It wasn't just this, suddenly, oh yeah, I, I say this in this prayer, and I'm now a child of God, and it's so easy because I know that God is my Father, and I will follow Him till the day I die, or whatever it is that we think in our Hollywood-influenced minds. And I started to realize that adoption is about my relationship with God, a God who would decide to keep showing up in my life. A God who says that I will give, I will provide, I will be there, I will empower, I will comfort, I will give, I will love, I will celebrate, I will correct, I will rebuke, I will discipline, but I will celebrate and I'll be there. And I realized that adoption is also my choice to say, well, I, I, I want that. I want to receive your love. I want to receive your care. I want to receive your discipline. I want to receive your joy. I want to receive your celebration. I want to receive it all. See, adoption is so much more about relationship than any other concept in the Bible. 
I love that God chooses the lens of adoption to talk about the relationship He wants with you. Can you imagine if redemption was the picture of relationship? Run this through your mind with me. When you realize that you are a worm, maybe even less than a worm, you're a terrible human being who has sinned, and this almighty, amazing, light-filled God comes and saves you. And with that picture, it says, I want a relationship with you. What kind of relationship would you have with a rescuer, a perfect God who has come to rescue you? And you are less than nothing. <laughs> you weren't able to save yourself. You are completely helpless. That relationship does not work well. Whenever I do marital counseling and there's a sense that one part of the part, one of the couple has wronged the other party and the other person is holding that sin against them, that relationship is bound for failure. There's not going to be openness, there's not going to be trust, there's not going to be intimacy, there's only going to be service. There's always going to be a power differential. And so I believe that God chose to separate rescue from adoption because God doesn't want you to think of yourself as a charity case. One of the things that I've talked about with adoptees is that one of the things that gets to them is that they feel that people think that they, have, they were a charity case. They were born in this third world nation that they have been suffering so much loss and there's this white savior from the US comes in or Australia comes in and saves them and now they need to be grateful for their parents. I said, what kind of relationship can I have when I'm a charity case and you are my savior? God separates those pictures. He's our savior. He died on the cross for me, but then he chooses then to say, I want you in my family. Let's do family. Let's do life. Let's do every day. Let's do relationship together. If I can get the band up this morning. I love that in Romans 8 it says, we are heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. God puts us on the same bracket as the Son of God, the Son of God, Jesus. It says, if we are willing to share in His sufferings, we will share in His glory. He's saying, we're going to do this together. If we do all parts of this together, then you'll receive the fullness of what it means to be part of my family. You see, so many of us cop out of our relationship with God because we only see Him as our rescuer, but we don't see Him as family that we do life with. And so whenever God is correcting, punishing, bringing consequences, maybe waiting a little bit because He's wanting to grow your patience, that's one of the things that I'm wanting Sam to learn today. <laughs> Doesn't work. But when we have this rescuer mentality of who our father is, we're not going to relate to him. We're not going to receive his love because we think we've already received his love. Do you hear me? 
when God is our rescuer, we will always live in that moment where He died on the cross for my sin. But when God is my Father, He's there today. He's showing up in my mess today, but He's showing up in my triumphs today as well. He's showing up wherever I am and whatever I'm doing and however I'm going. He's showing up because He's dead. And some of us don't know that, Dad, because you keep seeing Jesus on the cross when you think about Abba Father. Please remember that that is a part of our Christian faith. I'm not downplaying it, but your relationship with God needs to go beyond the cross because God has gone beyond the cross. It's saying, now that you've got redemption, let's do family. I'm not going to remember your sin. As far as the east is from the west, I have removed your sin. This is not what it's about. Now it's about love. My love is deeper than the deepest ocean, higher than the highest mountain. Nothing can separate you from my love. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what God wants us to remember when we are with Him. It's not about the rescue. It's about the relationship that He desperately wants with us. If it was all about the rescue, then what the heck was all of Eden about? I don't know, it was about relationship before humanity fell. He already wanted and desired an intimacy with us. How beautiful is that? I was thinking about this as we were singing the songs this morning. And I was hearing those words and I was like, what picture comes to mind? And I realized that so many songs brings up in my mind my Savior my rescuer, my redeemer. And when I tried to picture God as Father coming to me, it's still foreign. It's still difficult sometimes. Because I think that we haven't learned how to lean into God as Father. This morning, I hope that I've been able to present something to you help you understand the definition of adoption, which is about being a family. What God designed to build His family by bringing you in. You, son, daughter. I don't really know how to finish off this morning. I just feel like there's a sense that God just wants to speak to you. I don't want to call you up because I don't know how to pray for you right now. I just feel like God wants to be with you. So I'm just going to let the band sing this song in a moment. I'm going to pray. I'm going to close. And I'm going to uh, hope that you will be open enough just to allow these words to wash over you, to allow God's presence to come upon you, to allow Him to speak those words as Father, not as rescuer this morning. Let's put that on the side. But as Father, a Father who desperately desires intimacy with you. If you do want prayer, you can come forward, I guess. But I really believe that God just wants to speak to you where you are at. So dear God, I thank you. I thank you that you reveal yourself as our adoptive father. That you don't hold our sin against us. That's not how you characterize our relationship. You don't desire that there is a power differential between us. Even though you could have made us your slaves, you choose us to be sons and daughters. 
I pray that this is something that radically shifts the way that we relate to you. And I pray that this will just take us deeper in our walk with you. And so, Father, I pray that you minister to each and every person in this room. I pray that you pour out your love this morning. Thank you. I pray this in your name. Amen. That's the end of our gathering this morning. You can head over to the back for morning tea when you're done. But if you just want to sit and just to receive for a moment, Holy Spirit wanting to speak to people this morning. And just give yourself some time and the band will continue to minister. Thanks so much, church. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.